We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, November the 8th, 2021. Today's show, what a night, what a game, as the Gamecocks put up 40 points Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium to beat the Florida Gators by a final score of 40-17. to Folks, what an incredible game. It feels so good to be talking to you here on this Monday, guys, and we're going to break it down. We're really going to use today also to celebrate this big win as the Gamecocks get that hang-your-hat type of victory in year one of Shane Beamer and move to 5-4 and four overall, needing just one win in their last three to get to bowl eligibility. Guys, I'll break down the game in its entire We'll also talk biggest takeaways, TSUS game balls, talk slap big of the week, and I'll hand out the weekly cock of the walk award as well from what was a magical night at Willie B under the lights on Saturday night. Also, guys, news and notes to get into your listener questions, and we have a fantastic throwback interview. Great conversation with former Gamecocks running back Brandon Bennett as we discuss his legendary career in the Garnet and Black. Folks, we have got a packed show and a fantastic show on this victory Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, they're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group, of course. If you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
To be a gator hater said it's great. To be a gator hater said it's great. To be a gator hater said it's great. To be a gator hater. Ladies and gents, let's go. Happy Monday, Monday, November the 8th, 2021. More importantly, it is a victory Monday. And how good does it feel after truly a legendary, magical night under the lights at williams Bryce Stadium? And folks, I am Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in, guys. If you cannot tell, and if you're not, you should be as well. Yours truly is fired up here on this Monday. Turn me up. Here we go. Cracking one. Ooh, cold bush lattes in the building. Shout out my guy, Lance Player. Bush lattes deleted all Saturday. We even got the stogie in the stew. Hey, smoke them if you got them, folks. Hey, I'm going to celebrate this one. You celebrate all victories in life and sport, whatever, big and small. And you know what, folks? You know what? After this season and the adversity and how tumultuous this season has been at times, you know what, guys? You should celebrate all victories, big and small. I know you're just five and four. I know you haven't even finished the job and punched your ticket to a bowl game. But you know what? As crappy as we felt and as much as we vented after the Texas A&M game, I encourage every single one of you to smoke them if you got them and celebrate this W. And we're going to talk about it all, guys. Break it all down again. My stogie's not lit yet, by the way. I can assure you I will be lighting this immediately after we finish recording. But again, folks, what a magical day, night, incredible day, the tailgate, the game, guys. And I'm going to dive in this thing and break it all down because we have got a lot, and I mean a lot, to get into here on this Monday, guys. Before we do, one quick reminder. Hey, it is Missouri week, right? I want to remind you this weekend, our TSUS watch party at the Carolina Alehouse location in Fort Mill, South Carolina. All the details are on social media. Fort Mill, South Carolina, Saturday. Of course, kickoff time is at four o'clock. Yours truly will be getting there probably two or two thirty or so. Again, would love to see you guys out there. All my Charlotte Gamecocks, my Rock Hill Gamecocks, all the Gamecocks up in that area and that part of the state. I know there's a ton of Gamecocks in Charlotte. So if you want to get out uptown you want to get out of the city come on out to carolina alehouse in fort milligan guys kickoffs at four yours truly will get there probably around two gonna be a really really good time as again we look to watch the gamecocks punch their ticket to bowl eligibility so again guys carolina alehouse this saturday tsus watch party the place to be to watch the battle for the mayor's cup if you're not going to como be sure to come out fort mill south carolina again really looking forward to seeing all my charlotte gamecocks and my gamecocks in that part of the state gonna be a really really good time gonna be great to see you guys all right let's get into it ah, i had to take a sip first folks this is a celebration monday you know we 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 dissect things and analyze things and dive deep into things and we're certainly going to do that today guys but this show is really just a big party today. And this show is about just celebrating the day, the night, everything that was. I mean, wow. Wow. What an incredible night. What an incredible day. First things first, guys. Thank you to all those who came out to the tailgate. We had such a blast. Legendary content coming from the tailgate. There are some files on the GoPro that I don't know may not ever see the light of day. But, uh, man, we had an incredible time. And, again, thank you to all those who came out, supported everything else. We had a really, really good time on Saturday. And then the game itself. My goodness. My, my goodness. I mean, who saw this coming? Um, 
Yours truly, picking Salcona to lose by three touchdowns. You were a 20-and-a-half-point underdog in Vegas. Excuse me. And instead, you not only beat Florida, but you take Florida to the woodshed. You punish Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. Hey, I'm doing the Gator Chomp right now in the studio. How's it feel, Florida? Feels good to be a Gator hater, baby, here on this Monday. R.I.P. Dan Mullen and his job security in Gainesville. R.I.P. Todd Grantham. Hey, guess what? Not our problem. Getting Florida coaches fired since 2014. Hey, people thought I was crazy. Not a lot of you, but a.k.a. Mr. Mark Ryan, Florida grad for ESPN Upstate. When I mentioned and listed this game as a toss-up, we talked about guys going into this football game. We talked about it all preseason. Why this setup as a favorable matchup for South Carolina? In regards to where it fell on the schedule, coming out of the bye week, Florida's a beat-up football team coming off the Georgia game, and they're in disarray. And the question all revolved around, will this football team be able to find answers over the bye week and do enough in the run game, offensively as a whole, protecting their quarterback? And at the quarterback position, would they be able to do enough to get the job Done. I, I want to start right here, by the way, before any of you think I'm dodging it or ducking it, I'm not. I've already put out my statement on social media, but I want to put it right out here on the airwaves. Dear Jason Brown, I am sorry. You are legit. I doubted Jason Brown. I highlighted the fact that he came from St. Francis and did not think he would be able to have success against a big, bad SEC defense. I was wrong. I was wrong. Is Jason Brown going to go win the Heisman or do anything crazy? Not necessarily, but is he this football team's best option by far? Absolutely. So, Jason Brown, if you're hearing this, if you're listening to this, I am sorry. You proved me wrong. You are legit. You are that dude. Congratulations, sir. Kudos to you. And I will say this again, guys. I, I was not picking on Jason Brown over the summer. Uh, and in the preseason for fun, right? Like I, I, I told you guys, I don't care the starting quarterback is. I just want to win football games. But from what I was told in the spring by someone who is very, very close, dare I say, in, even involved and in the building with Gamecocks football, I was told he was not very good. I was told he was the fourth team quarterback. So with that being said, guys, I'm not bringing that up to say that as a knock. I'm bringing that up to give kudos and appreciation to Jason Brown, because it is very obvious that either that person had no idea what they were talking about, or Jason Brown got in the weight room. He lost the weight. Shane Beaver's mentioned that multiple times. He lost the weight he needed to, and he worked his tail off. And you know what? He has developed into, again, is he going to win the Heisman Trophy? Not necessarily, right? I mean, you know, not maybe not that, but he has turned into, again, not even close. He is this team's best option at quarterback, and he should take every single snap from here on out through the rest of this 2021 season. So, again, I tip my cap to you, Jason Brown. I was proven wrong. What an incredible night by him. Again, you look at the numbers. You look at the statistics. Jason Brown in this one, 14 of 24, just 175 yards, but two touchdowns. Here's the key, guys. Didn't turn the football over. And his evasiveness and being able to evade a pass rush, throw on the run, go through progressions, go through his checks, and find the open man. I mean, it was a thing of beauty, truly. So, 
that's what the stat sheet is not going to tell you. The way he was able to lead the offense, command the offense again, really his ability to roll out and to, you know, see the pressure, recognize the pressure, make the pressure, miss him, and then go through his progressions. Like the game looked very slow for Jason Brown. And that is just something we have not seen all season. You know, we, we've seen when there's pressure, the play breaks down. You know, obviously with Luke doting his injury, I don't think he was ever really mobile this season. And of course, Zeb Nolan, you know, we understand the the challenges that he has in regards to, you know, he's, he's not a fleet of foot guy. And, you know, when pressure comes in his face, it's going to be very hard for him to get away from it. So again, that was the thing when you're talking about Jason Brown and why he was successful. You know, there off the top of my head, there are four or five plays I can think of specifically that I think if any other quarterback right now on the roster is in, I think it's a sack. I think it's a sack. So kudos to Jason Brown. Tip your cap the kid, man. Absolutely played his tail off. And again, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. The kid's legit. He's for real. Uh, got a hell of an arm, obviously. I mean, we think of that long 50-yard completion he had to Josh Van. And I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen a Gamecocks quarterback. Um you know, fling the pigskin like that. I mean, that, that was that was insane. So uh, throws a really beautiful ball. I mean, obviously came out firing in the first play of the game or, you know, I think near the first play of the game where you had the flea flicker and you hit Josh Van on the out route. And that was a long throw too, and it had zip on it. And, you know, you can really see the arm strength. You can see the college experience. You can see the poise. And again, like I said, you know, I said St. Francis ain't the SEC. Well, I tell you what, it must be pretty damn close because Jason Brown had his way with the Florida defense. Um, so again, guys, I was wrong. I'm here to own it. I was wrong. And thank God I was, because again, I don't want to be right. I want to win ball games. So uh, you got to love what you saw from him. again, evading the pressure. Can he continue to do that? Can he continue to develop? Obviously got to get better in some areas, but uh, I mean, what more could you really ask for in 14 to 24, 175 yards, two touchdowns um, only sacked once. And again, I, I just, I, the, the difference in the ball game, the difference in the ball game for Jason Brown was being able to see the pressure, recognize it, you know, kind of have those eyes in the back of your head, if you will spin out of it. You know I mean? You, you think of the long completion he had, right? You think of the long bomb, go back and look at that play, right? There's pressure that comes off the edge. He spins out of it. He rolls out. He throws downfield accurately and boom, there's your big play. So uh, just players making ball plays, man. I, I'll tell you this though. And again, I, give Jason Brown, all the credit in the world. He absolutely deserves it. He did a great job, by the way, of distributing. Here's the crazy thing, by the way, guys. EJ Jenkins had just one target, didn't even have a catch. So Jason Brown did all that without even linking up with his favorite target. I mean, that, that to me makes it even more impressive. Shout out Josh Van returning to form seven catches, 111 yards, a touchdown wide open in the back of the end zone there. Um, so many guys, by the way, guys, I mean, we're going to go through this thing, obviously, but just so many guys who had great performances and, and stepped up. And, you know, Shane, we were talking a lot about winning your one-on-one -on -one matchups and, and, and winning your individual position battles or winning your individual battles or whatever it is. And I mean, so many guys did that. So many guys rose to the occasion. And again, we can, we can talk Jason Brown, and Jason Brown deserves all of the recognition and the credit that he is going to get this week for a job well done against Florida. But here is the reason why South kind of won the football game. Guys, it's very simple, and we've been talking about it all week long, and I don't know what was done over the course of the bye week to this offensive line, to this this offensive game plan, this scheme of people, you know, we, we have been, and I, again, guys, I'm, I fully believe in respect. Hey, hold people accountable, be critical when it calls for it, but make sure you have energy on both sides. Like when people do a good job, give them credit, tip your cap to them. And so you've got to tip crap to tip, tip crap. You've got to tip your cap to Marcus Satterfield, 
Greg Atkins, the adjustments they obviously made over the bye week, uh, just just night and day. I mean, I, this offensive line, the job they did, and again, guys, it's very simple. Why did South Carolina dominate? And yes, Carolina dominated the Florida Gators. Why did South Carolina dominate Florida? Very simple. 284 rushing yards. 284 rushing yards. 6.8 yards per carry. Guys, that is the rushing attack we thought we were going to see all season long. And again, it, it, it's no secret, or it's, it's, it's no surprise, I should say, that Jason Brown had the success that he had because any quarterback gets that type of support from their run game, you know, it's going to make it much easier for you to operate and have a, have a lot of success. On the flip side, the Gamecocks defense, an incredible job. They held the Gators to just 82 total yards rushing, 3.2 Yards per carry. And hey, what was one of our big keys? What was my top thing I talked about all last week, guys? Taking away Emory Jones' running ability. Taking away his legs. Emory Jones, uh, 11 carries for 26 yards and 2.4 yards per carry. He was also sacked twice, guys. That was the difference in the ballgame. You run the football and you stop the run. Good things are going to happen. You are going to win a lot of football games. And again, I, I don't know. I mean, it was it was wild watching it unfold on Saturday night. I'm, I'm sure you guys were just as just as shocked as I was. Again, I, you know, we felt like going in that this was a possibility. Maybe I'm not certainly a blowout, but we thought a win over Florida wasn't the craziest thing in the world. And it's like I told you guys last week. I was like, would it shock me at all if the Gamecocks came out, played a really tough game, and covered the spread? No, it would not at all. I was like, would it also shock me if the Gamecocks got blown out, right? Very capable of getting blown out. But the performance we saw, man, and just one of those magical nights where everything clicks for you. And again, defensively, guys, you look at the overall numbers. Uh, South Carolina, of course, outgained Florida 459 to 340. Um, how about this, by the way, guys? You know it's your night. When it's USC, you know it's your night. One penalty. One penalty for five yards. That's all South Carolina had. If I would have told you, if I would have told you guys before the game, hey, South Carolina is going to run for 284 yards and have just one penalty in the ballgame. I mean, you would have thought I was crazy. You would have thought I was insane. But instead, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Again, I'd like to see the Gamecocks get better on third downs, just two for 12 in that regard. But again, I think that can be shored up. You were also two for three on fourth downs. How about this stat, guys? Time of possession, 36 minutes and 18 seconds for the Gamecocks, just 23 minutes and 42 seconds for Florida. I mean, just everything that could have went right, you feel like, on Saturday night went right. I mean, truly, it was one of those magical nights, incredible nights. Sucks to suck, Florida. Sucks to suck. And, hey, did the Gamecocks win an SEC championship? No, they didn't. And so, I, you know, I know people are going to say, oh, my God, you beat, a, you beat a bad Florida team. Like, why are you so happy? Why are you celebrating? Guys, winning is fun. <laughs> winning is fun. That's really all I have to say. Winning is fun. And, you know, we, we felt like we felt like that potential was in this football team, right? We all felt that. Like, like there, there, are, there are pieces on this team. Is this still a great football team? Not necessarily, guys, but again, this is why I've been preaching perspective all season long. Because you know what? Hey, who cares if it's been pretty? Who gives a damn how you've gotten there? 
The fact of the matter is this. You now enter the last three games of this season, guys. Just one went away from a bowl game. How insane. In year one, you just beat the Florida Gators in year one of Shane Beamer. Folks, you, you cannot overstate how big of a win this is. By the way, before I get off of this, and I want to make sure I give them their just due, because again, this, at this point, it's becoming you know, so common that we kind of gloss over, but the defense. We, we knew this defense has been playing their tails off. They've been beaten up here and there, but they're giving you a chance. They're giving you all they got. All they got, you know, their blood, sweat, and tears each and every single week. Jabari Ellis with the scoop and score. What a night for him. Jalen Foster continues to do Jalen Foster things. And again, is this defense perfect? Not necessarily, but it makes plays. It is an opportunistic defense. And again, the difference I felt, again, you kicked a lot of field goals for sure. And Shamey brought that up. You, you want to score more in the red zone than kicking field goals. But it really felt like in this ballgame, when the Gamecocks made those big plays defensively, they just had the offense finally to take advantage. Um, you finally had the offensive attack to take advantage and to, to make Florida pay. And, of course, you get the big scoop and score for the half. And, and that was really the nail in the coffin. You know, you had a whole second half to play. And, you know, certainly we've seen Carolina blow big leads before. But when you went up 30 to 10, man, I was just like, I, I feel pretty damn good that uh, this Carolina defense is not going to allow – they're not going to give up a three-touchdown lead. Um, so many big plays in that ball game, man. Like I said, so many guys that stepped up and made plays. And, you know, I, 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 I cannot stress how happy I am for everyone involved with Gamecocks football, players, coaches, administrators, fans. You know, it, it has been a very grueling at times 2021 football season. And again, even though I've continued to preach perspective, 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 I mean, you, you really have to go beyond this football season to appreciate, I think, what Gamecock fans have been through. Because, you know, it, it's not just the fact that, you know, our record is what it was and we were struggling to win games the way we were. You know, when you go through the highest of highs in the Steve Spurrier era, and then you suffer through the last five years or so what we had to deal with and falling really off that mountaintop into the, into the depths of college football hell. And, you know, coming back this season and just a fan base that's extremely frustrated that shows up, shows out as passionate, as loyal. The fan base, by the way, was incredible on Saturday night, but a fan base that just is so starving for success and, and something to cling to. And so to get, I mean, this was a win we all needed. We all needed it, guys. Everyone. Again, coaches, players, administrators, this fan base, God forbid. Everyone needed this win. And I feel so happy, especially, again, for those in the building with Gamecocks football that, you know what, continued to stay positive, to grind. And, again, that, that leads me really to, guys, my biggest takeaway from the game Saturday night because there's many things. And I know for many of you, your lead storyline, your lead takeaway is going to be that, you know, Jason Brown's the answer. He's the difference maker. And, hey, certainly that's something we're going to talk about all week long, and I can't wait to hear from you guys. I can't wait to hear the calls saying, hey, Chris, you were wrong. You were wrong. You have no clue what you're talking about. Fine. So be it, guys. I like being wrong when it results in a W. <laughs> I like – I don't give a damn, guys. There's no ego, no pride here. I just want to win games. I just want to win games. I do not care. But my biggest takeaway is this, because there's so many other takeaways from on the field that are, that are, that are certainly uh, should be highlighted and should be noted. But for me, guys, here's the thing. You come off of that Texas A&M game the way that you did, and you have 11 yards of offense. Think about that. 11 yards of offense or whatever the number was, six, whatever, some absurd number. 
late in that ball game. And the, the real adversity and turmoil around your program and everyone saying, fire Marcus Satterfield, fire this guy, you know, do, do, do you get to that situation where, yeah, you're four and four, but you're looking at yourself in the mirror in a bye week saying, man, like do players start to question like, man, like, what are we doing? You know, should I be believing what a guy like Shane Beamer is telling us? And so my biggest takeaway from the game on Saturday is that this team fully 110% believes in Shane Beamer because you do not show up out of a bye week play coming off of that Texas A&M game, which was abysmal and play with the type of tenacity and play with the type of excitement and play with the type of energy that this football team played with on Saturday night. If you don't believe in your head coach and your coaches and what they're all telling you, you, you simply don't. And I, and I think that's really what you saw guys. Again, take nothing away from the game guys, but Florida came out in this ball game. I thought, I mean, they got their asses whooped from, from the jump guys from the jump. I mean, that was the most surprising thing from the jump. Carolina dominated this football game. And they honestly looked like the team, in my opinion, that wanted to be out there more. They wanted this win more. And, hey, that's a lot of football. So take nothing away from South Carolina. Because guess what? They won that side of the game. The mental edge in the game, the Gamecocks dominated it. I mean, I really feel like it's, it's been a long time, guys, that I feel like I've seen a South Carolina team really set the tone the way these guys did on Saturday night. And so kudos to all parties involved. But like I said, guys, to me, my biggest takeaway, this team believes in Shane Beamer because you just simply don't win a game like that if you don't. You, you simply don't. And again, it, it can't be overstated how massive of a win this is, not just for this season, but for recruiting, for selling the overall hope and direction of your program. I mean, you're beating the Florida Gators, a team that was in consideration for the playoff a season ago, and I know some people will say, well, this isn't a good Florida team. And, and listen, this isn't a great Florida team, but who gives a damn? Who gives a damn? Florida's still got talent. They still got ball players, They still got athletes, and they still historically beat you a lot. So every time you can beat them, it is a huge deal for your program. It, it's a huge deal. So uh, that, that hang your hat type of game, guys, that we talked about, that, 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 was, that was a possibility, right, in this season. Can Shane Beamer get it? Can he get, that, can he get that hang your hat type of game? Can he get that signature win in year one? And sure enough, he has done so. Again, guys, you, you just talk about this team overall, though, man. And, and it, you know, Jason Brown, of course, is going to get all the love. But, you know, I, I called for his job, and we've given him all hell. But Marcus Satterfield and Greg Atkins – Fantastic job. Kudos to those men. I mean, truly kudos, guys. The offensive line, night and day better than um, it's looked all season long. I mean, you had guys making plays over the field with Josh Van and Nick Muse and Jaheim Bell. And, and of course, defensively, you know, Jordan Birch gets his first career sack. Jordan Strawn's in the backfield. Darius Rush with a big sack. Jabari Ellis with the scoop and score. Um, Damani Staley with a couple of big stops. Cam Smith with an interception. I mean, you know, and we're going to get into game balls. It's funny when I was looking, it's like there are so many guys that deserve a game ball. There are so many guys, but just a team effort. I mean, just a team effort all the way around. Parker White, four for four on field goals. Dude has been absolute money this season. Um, just wow. I mean, an, an incredible night. An incredible, and again, kudos to Gamecocks Nation for showing up. I thought it was an awesome crowd, and uh, we had a really, really good time uh, up in the upper deck, up in Section 501. So my folks that were up there with me, 
appreciate y'all. We had an absolute blast, but, uh, man, just, just, just one of those nights that, you know, I feel like we haven't had in quite a while at Williams Bryce and one of those magical nights where it all clicks and that just so happens to come against, uh, one of your hated rivals in the East, the Florida Gators. So guys, again, this is a celebration Monday. I'm telling you right now, Gamecock fans, ah, that Bush latte tastes so freaking sweet. Celebrate this one. Tr truly, truly Gamecock fans. You've been watching, you've been following, you've been going to games each and every single game and going through the ups and downs and, and going through the, the bit of a roller coaster, if you will, that has been this 2021 football season. And you've been, you know, you, you've been, we, we went through the must champ days and we went through the preseason, we went through spring practice, we went through the spring game, we went through summer, you know, we went through the welcome home tour, we went through fall camp, we went through everything waiting for a moment like this. Like that game on Saturday night, it's not the reason, but it's one of the reasons why you hired Shane Beamer. And just seeing it come together, man, like I said, I, I couldn't be happier for all those involved. I mean, it's just a, you know, a, a game that, uh, you know, Shane Beamer said in postgame, Carolina's still got a long way to go, but that was a huge step. That was a huge step. Again, beating Florida, a lot of recruits in the house. And, you know, hey, you know what helps recruiting? Winning. I mean, winning. It is much easier to sell your vision, sell your program, uh, sell everything else when you are winning so congratulations to Shane Beamer congratulations to Jason Brown congratulations to that entire coaching staff and congratulations to us to us Gamecock fans folks how about it and Gamecock Nation made a difference on Saturday night I I'm giddy guys I I I've literally been on cloud nine all day long like I said I I, I don't want to you know <clears throat> uh you know, overhype a, a win over Florida a Florida team that that's now four and five but I, I don't care guys I, I don't care Winning is fun. Winning is damn fun. It sure beats the hell out of losing. And again, even the wins, you could argue, have not been very fun. Some of them haven't been enjoyable at all. I mean, again, we think one-point win over Vandy, last-second field goal over ECU, you know, a, a sloppy, struggling-to-victory game against Troy. This one was fun. I mean, this, this one, it felt almost like weird and like foreign to be sitting there in the fourth quarter and I mean, just be chilling, just be chilling, doing the gator chomp to folks, leaving the game. Just a magical night, just, just truly a magical night. And, uh, you know, now can this football team, of course, we'll talk all this week, Missouri week, can you build on it? Can you put, you know, back-to-back -back really good performances together? You go on the road to Mizzou. And, hey, now, guys, every time you take the field, you're going to have the opportunity to punch your ticket to a bowl game. You got three chances. I mean, if, if you'd have, even with the scores, even with the scores, if you'd have told any Gamecock right now that you are five and four with three to play, there's not a soul out there. And all three of your remaining games, guys, look winnable. Mizzou's trash. Auburn just got thumped by Texas A&M. You know, and I know A&M's obviously really good. They beat the hell out of us, but Auburn on the road, Bo Nix. I mean, we've seen this story before. And then Clemson looks pathetic. So, all three, I mean, guys, really think about it. I mean, the, the possibilities of, we'll just say, a seven and five season. Is it likely they win all three of their remaining games? Probably not. But, I mean, seven and five is actually realistically there. With a win over your rival. Folks, perspective is just a beautiful thing. Really, truly. So, an incredible performance. I mean, top to bottom, just a dominating team win. And, you know, we, again, I, I've referenced this comment a lot. But Perry Orth talked about it. Perry Orth talked about it last, the last time I had him on the show, before we got into the season. And, and really last year during December, I should say, when Shane Beamer was hired. 
talking about you can do a lot more with a lot less when everyone is bought in, when everyone believes in what you're doing. And again, I'm not here to slander the roster again here on a Monday, whatever. There are holes, there are deficiencies. You know, the roster still needs to be improved and enhanced to take the next step and then the next step and the next step. We totally get that. But what you saw on Saturday night was a football team that it was obvious got their teeth kicked in at Texas A&M, looked themselves in the mirror, made the necessary adjustments, took ownership for their role in getting to that point of a four-and-four season and that result in College Station, and took it upon themselves to make an adjustment and, and make a change, and that is exactly what you saw on the field Saturday night. I mean, this, this team could have gone one of two ways. This team could have said, you know what, this new guy, this first-year head coach, doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not putting us in a good position. All this offensive coordinator, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not going to listen to him anymore. I'm not going to be a good teammate. I'm not going to do what I should do because, you know, to hell with it, right? It's not working anyways. They could have made that decision. They could have went that direction. But instead, you saw a football team that was re-energized, refocused, believes in what these coaches are telling them. And again, hey, changing the quarterback, that can do it. That can spark a team. That can reinvigorate a team, right? It obviously worked. Which, and I know we'll talk about this a lot this week, which I guess is a bit head-scratching in the sense of like, well, why was Jason Brown on the bench the entire season if the kid was that much of a difference maker and that good? Which, again, we will dive into that all week long because I know you guys are going to have plenty of opinions on that. But, guys, this is a celebration Monday. This is a celebration Monday. And pat yourself on the back, drink that beer, smoke that cigar, smoke them if you got them, folks. Guess what? The Gamecocks have beaten the Florida Gators in Shamer's first season. Woo! It feels good to be good. Feels really good to be good. All right, let's hand out, let's hand out some game balls again, guys. We're going to be talking about and celebrating and breaking down this game all week long. Some game balls, like I said, guys, it was hard to pick just three players because so many guys balled out, performed. Uh, but these are the three guys I picked. I first want to start, again, we talked about the run game, and it's very simple. You run the football, you stop the run, you're going to have a lot of success. And I've been very hard on this kid all season long and saying he's been a shell of himself and, you know, in, in 2021 and you know, has been a disappointment, blah, 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 whatever. Kevin Harris, man, what a game by Kevin Harris. R- really returning to form. Uh, 16 carries for 128 yards, as long as 39, but averaged eight yards per carry. Um, really set the tone for you on the ground. Also, I didn't give him a game ball. I mean, again, guys, there, there's there's 15 players I could have given a game ball to, and I like to switch it up from week to week. But man, Zaquandre White. I mean, what a game he had. I mean, he he runs he runs with a freaking attitude. Again, I, I'm not going to go as far as say he he's Corey Boyd 2.0, but he reminds me a lot of Corey Boyd in the sense of you know he runs with a tenacity. He runs with a nastiness. 13 for 111 and 8.5 yards per carry along of 54 yards for him. Uh, the run game as a whole, again, guys, 284 yards total. Incredible. Uh, Could have given a game ball just basically the entire offensive line. But uh, Kevin Harris, man, returning to form, wanted to give him a game ball. Also, on the other side of the ball, our next game ball, the scoop and score before the end of the half. It, it is, when you think about it, guys, by the way, is it not crazy how many game-changing plays the Gamecocks have made defensively this season? And I mean, like, game-changing, like, Changing the scoreboard, changing the momentum of the game, it, it's wild 
how many times that has happened this season. Jabari Ellis, the latest. Um, and Jabari Ellis deserves a game ball. I mean, he, he deserves that moment. He deserves that moment. Um, you know, a guy that, that bleeds garnet and black, he's game through and through and decided to come back when he didn't have to. And, and uh, you know, doesn't really get a lot, you know, doesn't always get the recognition or the credit because he's, you know, that, that big ugly in the middle and clogs up the run game. And maybe he's not, you know, the flashiest player and always making that play or whatever. But Jabari Ellis has been a very solid player for South Carolina. So, again, Jabari Ellis, my second game ball. Now, my final game ball, how about show some love for the special teams, man? Parker White, four for four on field goal. Four for four on field goals. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, incredible. Obviously, a huge part of the ball game. So it's uh, you, you don't really think about the kicker until you don't have one or you don't have a very good one. So Parker White doing his job, you know, putting those putting those points on the scoreboard for South Carolina, obviously huge. Uh, let's see. All right, let's move into slap dick of the weekend. And this one was kind of tough because for the most part, I thought, you know what, the weekend was solid. But I tell you, I got to give my slap dick of the weekend of the Vegas odds makers. I, I mean, making the Gamecocks a 19-point dog to start. The line then comes down. Then Jason Brown is announced as the starter. Guys, the line goes up to 20 and a half. Whoever put the spread, and I, I thought the spread was high, guys, when it opened. I, I really, really thought that the spread was high when it opened. Um, and so, Vegas, what are you doing? What are you doing? Giving Florida that much credit. I understand we didn't deserve a lot of credit going in the game, but Vegas odd makers, congratulations. You played yourself. You lost a lot of money. Slap big of the weekend goes to you fine folks. All right, let's finally move into our cock of the walk award. And guys, of course, you're probably sitting there wondering, Chris, what about Jason Brown? How are you not giving him a game ball? Well, for the second straight game, Jason Brown wins this week, cock of the walk award. I mean, for what he did, the performance, and again, there, there's a lot more to playing quarterback than just throw the ball and hand the ball off. And like, you know, we, we've seen guys over the years, right, guys? You, you see with football teams that when that guy in their center changes and the voice of reason, the voice of leadership changes, it can change an entire football team for the right guy. And, you know, again, I tip my cap because Jason Brown proved to be that guy. I, it's Again, it's a little bit mind-blowing that, you know, he didn't get a serious look before Saturday night. But you know what? When he got his opportunity, he, uh, he made the most of it. So incredible stuff, man. Give all the credit in the world to Jason Brown. Like I said, he, he, he made me and many others look foolish. And you absolutely love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. So again, Jason Brown, Cock of the Walk Award. Congratulations to you, sir. Going to be really fun to watch him continue to evolve and grow and come into his own as the Gamecocks starting quarterback. So again, guys, that's going to do it for my breakdown of the Gamecocks game against Florida. We'll be talking about it all week, of course, on the podcast, on the Daily Crow but, man, I mean, what a night, a night we all deserved, a night we all so desperately needed. And, uh, you know, guys, it, it's been a fun first season for Shane Bieber for me personally, don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, like I said, we, we, all, we all needed that type of performance because it, it was – I mean, I'll be honest, it was getting very hard to – and I know you guys were getting sick of me trying to – and I haven't just been pumping blind optimism or wearing garnet glasses all season, but, you know, I've really been trying to inject – Hey, perspective. This was a two and eight team last year. Have realistic expectations. Don't set your expectations too high. And you know the 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 content, everything with the business. <clears throat> you guys following along. It's been incredible. But man, how much more fun is it? How much more fun is it when the Gamecocks do something like they did on Saturday night? Incredible. Feels good to be good, folks. Celebrate this one. Smoke them if you got them. Pour yourself a cold one.
because the Gamecocks beat Florida. The Gamecocks are five and four with three to play, needing just one win to get to bowl eligibility. How sweet does that sound? Guys, going to jump into your listener questions and voicemails. But before we do, just one quick note. The Gamecocks, the spread has dropped for the game this weekend in Missouri. And I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised because South Carolina has opened as a three-point underdog at Mizzou. I understand, never trust a Gamecocks team. Can South Carolina play back-to-back stellar games? Can they go on the road and carry that same type of energy and excitement into this game at Mizzou? But Mizzou is total dog shit. So, a little bit surprised. Again, Vegas has shown, though, who gives a damn, right? You were a 20-point underdog to Florida. So, who really cares what Vegas says? But either way, for those who might be curious, those who might be interested, the Gamecocks have opened up as a three-point underdog in the battle for the Mayor's Cup. All right, guys, I want to go ahead and jump into your listener questions, your voicemails, then we have our interview. So, let's go ahead. Without further ado, and dive right into this thing. Here we go. Chris, my man, everything is so much more beautiful after a win, not just a win, a dominating, just gator-chomping win. Hats off to the guys coming out after a bye week. Uh, You know, I was with you. You know, your prediction, I was pretty spot on. You know, we both thought, but – Hats off to the guys, you know, Jason Brown, wow, what, what, what a game. The offensive line, hats off to I give every one of them a game ball. Guys were just falling. Kevin Harris looks more like the Kevin Harris we know, the Quandre White. Josh Van, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody that more wide open on that, on that touchdown pass to him. The defense swarming, just swarming. I was so worried about Florida's running game, but the defense just swarmed to the ball, opportunistic. Wow, what a difference! What a difference this makes. So let's let's go to Mizzou next week. Let's 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 get the six wins. Let's go to a bowl game. Go Cox. Tim, my man, appreciate the call, man. Appreciate the voicemail. Uh, no, great stuff, great stuff. Yeah, I want to reiterate what you said about the offensive line. Guys were mauling dudes and just moving bodies. And guys, like I said, you've all gotten tired of hearing me say it, but hey, it's simple. You run the football effectively, and you can stop it. You're going to win a lot of football games. You're going to win a lot of football games. And that's what South Carolina did. South Carolina was the more physical football team. South Carolina won at the point of attack, bottom line. And that's why they dominated the Florida Gators. So kudos to all involved. Again, thank you so much for the call, Tim. Great stuff, as always, from you. We we have a text, by the way, on the text line. I want to read this to you real quick. My guy, Jay Sun, who tunes in the Daily Crow basically every single day, uh, Jay Sun texts me, says, Chris, 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 who was your insider that's been reporting to you about Jason Brown? Tell him he's fired. But seriously, JB looked poised, calm, and collected. Evaded a lot of pressures and extended some plays. It definitely looked like the team was playing their hearts out for him and would run through a brick wall for him. It appeared as if the O tried to bleed the clock early in the fourth quarter, so there wasn't much offensive output. I don't know if Jason Brown wasn't ready physically or mentally in the summer, but he's looked ready since the Kentucky game to a lot of people based off of practice. The rest of the season shall be interesting. And yeah, hey, Jason, like I said, I tipped my cap, man. I was wrong. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's very obvious that Jason Brown's get again, that 
takes coaching, and he has improved drastically since he stepped foot on campus. Again, good for him. I mean, you love to hear that. Uh, it's an incredible story and, and extremely happy for Jason Brown and, of course, the football team as well. And, uh, no, he, he's, he's been – you know, he was incredible. He was incredible. Did, absolutely did his job and more. So, hats off to Jason Brown. Tip your cap, the type of game he had. Uh, incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. All right, let's get into your questions, guys, and we'll dive in our interview. Ethan Fashow says, Mizzou up next. Mike.Edwards07 said, let's freaking go. Uh, Chris Dotworell's a statement win. Probably won't win out, but I'm seeing us finish at seven and five. Guys, it, just the fact that you're in that conversation and that that's a realistic thing it is just beautiful. It's beautiful. Like Tim said, the sun shines a little brighter when you perform the way the Gamecocks did on Saturday night. And now you come into the final three games with tons of hope, optimism, and the prospects of getting to a bowl game and maybe seven. It, it's, it's there and they're very positive and very bright. Uh, underscore Mike underscore SC underscore glad to see them put a solid game together need to keep grinding and keep the momentum going indeed now it's about building off of this not feeling fully yourself playing with that same tenacity that same edge against the Missouri Tigers uh, cap underscore way where has this team been all year not even mad went out go Cox I, <laughs> I guess the bye week really did that much good for us I don't know uh, Ecarch 08 Last question, what does Beamer need to do to avoid the letdown we are accustomed to seeing after big wins? And, and this was something I think somebody asked me over the course of the preseason. It's like, how do you eliminate that, guys? I, I think it's just all about establishing the culture of, hey, we expect to win. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not throwing a freaking parade this week and, and we're going to slack off this week. And, no, you just approach each and every single week exactly the same. You approach each and every single game exactly the same, whether you win the game, you lose the game, no matter how the results are. And uh, you continue to have that chip on your shoulder. So that will be Shane Beamer's job coaching the boys this week. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot that South Carolina can obviously improve on. You know, you win. It's, uh, it's much more fun to come out of a victory and have that, those correctable mistakes than it is to come out of a loss. But, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think just stay hungry. You know, this team's still got a lot to prove. And you're still fighting to get to a bowl game. You haven't accomplished really anything yet. So continue to keep that chip on your shoulder. Keep that edge. You do that. And you attack the thing the right way when you go to Mizzou. It's not a guarantee you'll win, but uh, it's going to give you a good chance. So I, I and I fully expect these guys to do that. I, I think this is a good group of guys, and Shamey will have them motivated, fired up. And I, I don't see this team, uh, you know, coming out flat against Mizzou or laying some type of egg or something like that. I think these guys will be well coached, and they're bought into what Shamey and this coaching staff tell them. And I think they'll be ready to go. And I think they'll play their best football. So, and I, of course, we'll talk about that game later in the week. But uh, yeah, it's just attacking each day the right way. Just attacking each day the right way, and and uh, keep your foot on the gas pedal. So, again, guys, appreciate the questions. Thank you all so much for being engaging, interactive. Also, guys, I do want to say those who say what's up and holler at the tailgates and at the game and uh, just across game day, really incredible stuff. Again, I, I thank you guys so much. Had an absolute blast on Saturday. It's, it's always a good time. And, again, we got two more home games and, and cannot wait. <laughs> cannot, cannot wait. That's putting it very lightly. Cannot wait to, uh, to party with you guys and, and do it all over again when the Gamecocks take on Auburn. Uh, in two weeks. So going to be a really good time. Uh, all right, cool. Let's go ahead and jump into our interview, guys. Again, it's a great Monday to have a Monday, and we got a great conversation, a great interview with former Gamecocks running back Brandon Bennett. Again, another throwback conversation from September of 2019. Really, really good stuff. We broke down his illustrious career in the Garnet and Black. So again, an interview, a conversation you do not want to miss folks that's going to do it all for me appreciate you all tuning in podcast daily crow hey we got basketball season starting out tomorrow as well guys content bleeding out the 
eyeballs. Folks, that's going to do it for me. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks running back, Brandon Bennett. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1991 to 1994. He ranks third all-time with 2,983 career rushing yards, tied fifth all-time with 26 rushing touchdowns. He still holds a single-game record for rushing yards in a game with 278 yards against East Tennessee State. He's most well-known for his Bennett over-the-top play in 1992 in which he helped the Gamecocks beat the Georgia Bulldogs at the buzzer. He also played in the NFL from 1995 to 2005 with the Browns, Bears, Dolphins, Bengals, Bucks and Panthers. In 2004, he was inducted in the USC Hall of Fame, and in 2011 was honored as as an SEC legend. He still trains athletes today under his brand, 36 Elite. I'm very, very pleased to welcome the show. Former Gamecocks running back, Brandon Bennett. Brandon, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, man, it's a pleasure, man. I'm sitting here listening to all that stuff. I'm like, man, <laughs> man, I I did a little something, you know? So, yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's, cool. your, your your accolades are more than a mouthful. I was like, man, this is a, <laughs> this is a long list of things. So, like you said, yeah. you uh, did more than your share, for sure. So, I, I want to go back for you, because you're a kid from Greenville, South Carolina. I want to go back to kind of the beginning for you. Um, obviously, a standout in high school. You're one of the top high school running backs in the entire country. Just talk about your recruiting process and, uh, when it came down to it, why'd you choose to become a Gamecock? You know, I mean, it, it, it was pretty cool, man. It was uh, – because, you know, back then, you know, it wasn't all the uh, social media and all this whatever. So, when you when, – when these colleges came to you, man, it was huge because you it was no – I mean, we had computer systems like that. You had to go to the library to get that stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, to be able to have, you know, all the major colleges coming to my house and coming to my school and being at my games and stuff. That was a, I mean, that was a huge deal. So, I mean, very, very, uh, a very exciting time. Uh, very stressful though, because, you know, as a small town kid, you know, um, being asked to go to different places, being able to fly to different schools and stuff like this, whatever, you know, it was exciting, but it's also kind of scary because you didn't know, you know, recruiting wasn't huge like that. So you didn't really know how to uh, take it. You didn't know what the things to look for, what to say, the questions they ask, anything or whatever. So it was one of those where, you know, it, it, it was it was stressful, but it was fun to also be, you know, to have that opportunity because the first time I got on a plane and they ever traveled was going to Tennessee, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that was like pretty cool to just be able to go to Tennessee and fly and all that whatever and, you know, and then my brother was already at South Carolina, you know, so I was down there all the time. And, you know, people ask, well, what made you choose South Carolina? You know, because I was the number two running back in the country, you know. So people were like, how did you pick them over Nebraska, over Georgia, over Tennessee, Texas, and all this, whatever? My brother was there, you know. And, and I grew up we – didn't, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, you know. And it was only my, my mother and my brother, you know, uh, never had a dad in my life ever. So – I always wanted my my family to be close and always have an opportunity to see my play, to see me play. You know, I felt like I had a uh, I had a talent, and with that talent, I wanted to be able to always, you know, share it with people, but then also share it with my family. Man, it's nothing like being able to do things in front of your family, no matter what. You know what I mean? That was something that I always wanted to do is continue to do that and let my mama be able to watch me play throughout my whole career. No doubt. So I want to jump to your freshman season, Brandon, because it's really interesting. Obviously, again, the stats jump off the page for you for your entire career. But you, I mean, again, number two ranked high school running back in the entire country, but you adjusted to the college game 
extremely quickly. I mean, your first season on campus, you rushed the ball over 150 times, over 700 yards, uh, nine touchdowns. You also had 16 catches for 168 yards. What do you attribute to being able to adjust from the high school game to the college game so quickly? Because obviously it's a major adjustment, and some guys it takes a lot longer than others. But for you, I mean, it was a seamless transition from high school to college. You know what? Always scared to fail. I mean, and that's the thing. You know, my brother was a true blessing because he was already at South Carolina. He'd come home and he'd, like, make me run. I mean, he got me out there in construction boots, you know what I mean, with mm-hmm. steel toe running and things like that. And I never wanted to let him down. I never wanted to let my family down. You know, my mother used to always tell me that, hey, you know what? These coaches are giving you this time, giving you his time, their time. These coaches are giving you their time, you know, so don't waste it. You know, she used to tell me, i tell you a funny thing. She used to tell me, you know, that people could be doing any and everything else but watching me play football. So when they come out there, you give them their money's worth. You know, so that was always my thought that, hey, you know what? She's right. You know, you can, you can be going – fans could be doing any and everything. How many times have you gone to games or whatever been so frustrated? You're like, man, I could have been doing this, that, and the third. So <laughs> I never want – yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been like that a lot now, mm. you know what I mean? So, I mean, my thought has always been, hey, you know, I want to work hard. I want to live with no regrets. I want to make sure that whether I play great or bad, I know I've done everything possible to be successful, and I don't want to waste anybody's time or money coming to watch me play. So that's always been my motivation. No doubt. I, I think it's really interesting, Brandon. You were at South Carolina in a really interesting time because the Gamecocks, your first year, I forgot, were actually independent. You guys got the invitation, yes. accepted in 1992 to join the SEC. Uh, just talk about what you remember from that because obviously a, a huge moment for the school. I mean, the Gamecocks obviously still in the SEC, and I think what you've seen with the success of the SEC over the past 15 years or so with all the national titles and all the TV money revenue that comes in. I mean, it was obviously a great decision for the University of South Carolina. But, I mean, what do you remember about that specifically uh, when it first happened when you were on campus? Well, I mean, I think it it was huge. You know, it was something that now, because the thing is that I've always wanted to be considered one of the top, one of the best, and I wanted to play in one of the best programs. So, to have that opportunity, because then you think about it, and it's still today, you know, the SEC is arguably one of the best conferences, if not the best in in the country. You know, so now we've moved from independent to going into that and playing against all these teams of, you know, of, of the, uh, you know, the, the, the ones that the world is looking after, the ones that people are truly following, you know, the Georgias, the Tennessees, the Mississippi State. So, I mean, Florida, is, I mean, it's crazy when you start thinking about the type athletes and the type, you know, uh, notoriety that those type schools were getting and now we've just joined into that I mean it was it was something that I was excited about and it's something that I was like hey you know what time to play ball now because all the people that they say were better than you or teams are better or where I should have went to whatever now I got an opportunity to play against them and show the world that I could have went there and I could have did exactly what I was doing at South Carolina there. For sure. So I want to talk about getting that freshman season, uh, 1991. That was the game that you actually set the single-game school record for rushing yards, which, again, still stands this day. 278 yards on the ground against East Tennessee State. Just kind of walk me through, Brandon. What, what was clicking for you that day that eventually led to you setting the records? You know, I mean, we it, it, was, it was crazy because I'm one that I visualize all the time. I'm one that before games and stuff, I, I – 
take time and I just kind of go through motions and I go through all the plays and I try to make sure that I see myself scoring or getting the first down and making a big play through the plays and I do it. I've done it all my life, you know, and that day, that particular day, it was one of those things where, you know, we had a great plan. Those guys up front were killing it blocking, you know what I mean? It's it's funny because I was running all over the place, but wasn't that hard, you know? <laughs> it was. <laughs> that'd be sad enough. I can't say, man. I was jumping over somebody. I cut a flip, and then I, you know, did a somersault this way and backflip. You know, it was one of those things where I had my line was in. They were in tune. We had a great grant game plan and followed it to the T. You know, the receivers were blocking downfield, and I was just being a running back, running the ball. But I saw a bunch of that going on before the game and I've and I've done that throughout my career you know I've seen that and it might sound crazy but I've visualized so much seeing me doing things or whatever that sometimes man you go and they're they're called a play and you see the defense and it's like oh this is it right here you know and that confidence and knowing that I knew the game plan I knew my guys were going to block up front and do the things they need to do that confidence you know like it 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 helped you know and and man we we blew it out for sure. So I want to ask you, because I'm really interested, Brandon, you being a kid from Greenville, South Carolina, talk, talk a little bit about the South kind of Clemson rivalry for me, because uh, again, up in Greenville, which I mean, is definitely Clemson territory. And you guys, definitely. you were two and two against Clemson during your time. It's funny, the road team had a ton of success in the 90s in that rivalry <laughs> for whatever reason. But either way, you went two and two against those guys, two really memorable games in 92 and 94. But just talk about kind of what that rivalry means to you. I mean, again, I know someone being from the state of South Carolina, it had to hold a really special place to you and probably still does this day. Definitely, definitely. I mean, because now you, you, the fans are people that have seen you play in high school. The fans are people that you know, you know what I mean, from just being around and things like that. So even though we were playing against Clemson, I'd had Clemson fans and, and even with the players, you know, I was friends with a bunch of those players and things like that. You know, my, my girlfriend, which is now my wife, went to Clemson. So I was hanging out down there with a bunch of those guys and things like that. So it was, it was funny when we played them because I was friends with those guys, but they knew that week leading up to it, we weren't friends. Don't call me. Don't hang with me. Don't try to talk. <laughs> don't try to do nothing because we are not friends. And depending on the outcome, I wasn't your friend for another week or two after that. You know, so it was a, it was great, man. How do you – how do you not enjoy going and playing in front of your friends, in front of your family, in front of the ones that truly care about you and truly want to be you successful? You're not that number. You're not that Brandon Bennett from South Carolina, the university. you Brandon Bennett from Taylor. you Brandon Bennett from, you know, Riverside High School and stuff like that. And, and it's just nice. It's great. I, I mean, I, I just – I love that rivalry. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. But to be able to just be in front of your people, whether they're pulling for Clemson or South Carolina, but they still want you to do good. I had so many people to say, hey, you know what? I hope you run for 1,000 yards, but I don't want you to win. You know, and that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? and that's cool. That's cool, you know, because they, you know that they care about you and they want you to be the best that you could be on that given day, you know. So, man, that, that rivalry is special to me, very special. No doubt. So I want to jump ahead. 1993, the game at Georgia, Brandon. I know you probably get asked about it by every South Carolina fan everywhere you go, <laughs> but bend it over the top. I mean, not a lot of guys have a play literally named after them, if you will. And we've all heard the famous call right. by Larry Munson. And, um, you know, just simply put, I mean, I actually, it's funny. I was reading, I actually heard a story. Somebody was telling me that uh, 
the thing they remember the most about that play is they were in the stadium, and you can hear after the first time when you get stopped in the first play, you can hear Steve Tannehill yelling, run the play again, same play. Same. Uh-huh. Like, they knew it was yeah. coming, and you just, like I said, went over the top and got the score and two seconds left, and South Carolina gets what will be forever known as one of the most memorable wins over the University of Georgia because that's obviously yeah. just a huge game every time they, the two teams play each other. But just kind of talk about, I mean, walk me through again, your, what's going through your mind. I mean, you know you're getting the football. You – you know that you've got a score. I mean, we'll talk, just talk about that moment. Man, it, it was one of those things where we knew what time it was when it gets, we get down to the goal line. It's me going over the top. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is that in that play, the guys, it's, it's determination, man. They were not going to let – they were not going to let us not win this game. You know what I mean? And you're the linemen hurried up, man, because you think about it. If you look at today's football, I mean, you know how hard it is to get set back up that quick and be able to get a playoff. <laughs> nobody jumps off sides. Nobody makes a, a, a penalty or miss a block or whatever. You know, it, it's, it's one, like I said before, man, you visualize those times. You visualize you being that player. Man, we were sitting there, and the guys were just like, come on, let's go, let's get it. You know, the Toby Cates, you know, sitting there. Tannehill is always hyped up. You know, he was always super excited. Stanley Pritchett, you know what I mean, is – my fullback was a beast. It, 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 it's kind of funny, man, because everybody was excited, relaxed. They were ready to play. They were um, – I mean, it, throughout the whole game, you know, they were like, hey, you know, Stanley, follow me. You know, the linemen like, hey, we're going to open it up. You come through. You know, so when we got to that situation, all it was was – I mean, it was business as usual. You know, we lined up. Tandy Hill called it again, you know, because I thought I was in, but they pulled me back. So <laughs> – he did, you know, he's like, you know, set up, let's go, let's go, same play, same play or whatever. So, you know, and, and like I said, nobody, I don't think anybody on that line, anybody on the team felt like we were not going to score, we're not going to get in. And I think that the execution of that play so quickly showed that. No doubt. So you, you mentioned Steve Tannehill, by the way. He took over 1992. You guys went on a run the, the second half of the 92 season. Just kind of talk about – what was the spark that he brought to you guys that you think led to the turnaround and him eventually obviously being known as one of the uh, one of the best quarterbacks in school history? Well, I think that you got to know Steve Tannehill. Tannehill is a great person. But he's not, the thing about it is that we used to laugh at him because we like, this slow boy here. You know, but, you know, he was a gamer. He was a guy that we knew had, a, had our back. We knew worked hard. He was a guy that hung with us outside of football. You know what I mean? And that was that's what I think was huge is that from day one when he stepped on campus, he came in and he was just like, what's up, B? You know, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm like, this long-haired boy, you know, <laughs> come up in here, a freshman. You know, they, they gave him all this hype from my Altoona. You know, come on, man. They, they, I need to see, you know. But from day one, he came in. He was super chill. He was laid back. He was, hey, what's going on? What can we do? How can I do this? You know, what's going on around here? You know, and and he hung out in my room with me. So how sweet is it to have your quarterback wanting to spend time with you on and off the field? We studied studied film together. We studied notes together. We talked. You know, and in the game, it was the same thing. What you see, B? You know what I mean? And I'm like, hey, what you going to do? What you looking at? What, you know? I mean, so I think that that people love Steve Tannehill because he was not – what you think a typical quarterback is is just doing that thing or whatever. He was a people person. He was a guy that got us together as a team, and we'd go and hang out. We'd go eat before games, night before, like 
two or three days before the game. And so we had set that we would go down and we would go to Applebee's down at Five Points and we'd eat and hang out and, or we'd go over to, you know, each other's room and do the same thing. So the time that we had just off the field helped us on the field because we cared about each other as people, as friends and, and you know, teammates. For sure. So it's funny, Brent. I was taking a look at your statistics, by the way, and you, you were a guy that, I mean, the one thing that jumps out to me is you were extremely consistent. I mean, you hovered around the same, you know, you never surpassed the thousand yard rushing mark. Cause like you said, right. you mentioned a couple of guys, you guys had a stable of backs, but you were yeah. very consistent, <laughs> always around that 750, 850 kind of right in there. Right. And then what I, what I was really impressed with is that you could really catch the football. I mean, you were a good pass catching back as well. Every year your receiving yardage increased. You almost hit a thousand yards receiving as a running back. I mean, talk about that part of your game. How important was that to you? Because I don't feel like at that time it was really a big thing yet where you had running backs who were doing both. It was more to just hand the football off and run the ball. But you were a guy, again, that, and I remember I was actually reading you were really good at that in your NFL career as well. I mean, how important to you yeah. was that, that part of your game, catching the football out of the backfield? You know, very, very. You know, I wanted to be the guy. I wanted to be that guy that could do any and everything. And I wanted to be that every down back. I never wanted it to be something that – people would say, well, he can't do this or he can't do that. I wanted to be on the field 100% of the time. The thing is, is that through our time, you know, we had a bunch of running backs. So it, was, it would be hard, you know, for, for any running back at that time in South Carolina to go over 1,000 yards because we were rotating in me, with Rob DeBoer, you know, Mike Reddick, Terry Wilbur, <laughs> you know. I mean, it was so many of us that was rotating and we were all playing. You know, I'd get – 15 carries and they you know one of them would get 10 carries and the other one would get five carries and then you have you know a couple with you know that are going to get three or four carries and I mean so it was so broken up so the times that I would get be able to be in and catch the ball man I love that because I like showing the versatility I like being out there and then it gave me an opportunity to now I ain't got to get hit by those big old guys because now I'm playing <laughs> you know what I mean I'm out in space with a linebacker or a, a cornerback, a safety, somebody like that. It's a little bit more my size, you know. <laughs> no doubt. So I, I want to ask you that 1994 season was uh, really, really special for the, the simple fact that the Gamecocks won their first ever bowl game, the CarQuest Bowl. You were a part of that team. I know your final game as a senior. Again, you had an amazing career. Uh, your senior year was good as well. But just talk about what did that mean to you to be able to go out a winner and go out on top and do something that, simply put, had never been done at South Carolina before. Man, you always want to leave a mark, you know what I mean? You always want to leave a mark on a, on a program and leave something that people remember. You know, my grandmother used to always tell me that, you know, when you die, you shouldn't have to have a eulogy set. It should be set by the way you lived your life and the things that you've done. You know, so I've always thought of that. So, I, so when we were able to go to a game, go to a bowl game, and then win that bowl game, man, that was huge for me because I knew that, you only get one time to be the first ever. And we were the first ever. You know, so I knew that I did something great. I did something that no other, you know, running back had done at that point. You know, and, and I mean, the school hadn't won one. You know, so we did some things that truly was going to change, you know, that program forever. You know, and, and I think it did. You know, it's moving into the SEC, us winning a bowl game. I mean, I think those are things now that we, we can look back and say, hey, you know what? This started because of, of what we did. You know, these, these things happened because of what we did. So 
I look at all of that stuff, man, and, and just say, hey, you know what? I was a part of something big and had an opportunity to make a difference. For sure. So moving to your NFL career, Brandon, I mean, obviously, again, you're a 10-year NFL vet. I mean, had a great career. Right. You bounced around a little bit, but not many guys play in the league and were successful as you are. When, just when you look back as your NFL right. career as a whole, I mean, how how proud are you to look back and say that, you know, you're, you're – you know, your your NFL career lasted as long as it did, and you were able to be as productive <laughs> as you were in the league. You know what? It's, it's awesome. It's a blessing. You know what I mean? Because you think of it, and, and you think about 1% get the opportunity, you know, and I was that 1%, you know, and, and I think of it like this. You know, it's not me saying that I was good enough. It was It's other people. It's them seeing it now. So I don't have to – I remember when I was uh, – used to – listen to people talk about, how, man, I used to do this and how was that or whatever. You said, and you're like, man, please, I know good <laughs> well you didn't do that. You know, I'm not going to ever be one of those, you know, because I did it. You know what I mean? So, you know, to be able to have just made it to the league, you know, I I felt blessed, you know what I mean? And and to be able to sustain such a long time, because I'm telling you, dude, that's, it's, that's hard to do and it's, you see so many people come and go throughout your time. High draft choice, no draft choices. I was a free agent, man. I got hurt, and they said I wouldn't play football again. And I came back and, came and turned around and be the number one third down back to be an SEC legend. I mean, to, not, I mean, to be able to go and, and, you know, I'm on the legends team now for the Panthers and for the Bengals and all this or whatever. You know what I mean? So – to be able to have that type of career, to be able to have fun going to work. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, man, I have an opportunity to play a kid's game and made, and made a king's ransom. Now, how special is that? Mm. No doubt. You mentioned, by the way, the uh... – the, uh, the the legends board you're on with the uh, the Bengals and Panthers. I know right. you're also inducted in the USC Hall of Fame in 2004. Right. Also SEC legend in 2011. You know, right. just can you even put into words what those accolades mean for you? Because I think it's also awesome too that your your uh, your picture is on one of the murals. I think in the running back room in the new facility <laughs> yeah. for South Carolina. I mean, it, it, that's got to right. be a pretty humbling thing for you to kind of have be showered with those accolades. Exactly. I mean, it's it's one of those things, like I said, man, it's it's hard to even explain because, you know, to be able to, to have that, for one, to be able to play, you know, and I'm, I feel blessed that I had the opportunity to go to South Carolina and to be able to play. You know what I mean? That's That right there is something that I'll never forget and I would always be, you know, in – I mean, just – happy and appreciative of having that opportunity to go to South Carolina and play, you know, to go into the, to be able to keep, to keep moving forward and go to the NFL and not just play. Cause there's a lot of people that just play and nothing against. And what I mean by that is that you're just on the teams. You know, I, I had an opportunity to truly contribute, you know what I mean? And that's huge, you know? So all the teams that pick me up, I play with a bunch of them now, you know? But to just believe in me and and to give me that opportunity and for me to take that opportunity. I never took that opportunity and for granted. You know, I, I think that sometimes I sit here and I look at some of the stuff that goes on and some of the things these athletes do and some of the things that these kids say, how they act and all this or whatever. And it and it, it really bothers me 
because I think that they feel as though they are a blessing to that game. And I and they, they got it messed up. The game is a blessing to us. You know what I mean? And to be able to get out there and do that is a blessing. And and the platform that we're put on is one that we shouldn't take lightly because you got little kids that are watching us and doing exactly what we do. You know, it's not many jobs that people just watch. Kids just watch and say, hey, I'm going to do that and we do. But they do that with football. You know, so I think that a lot of these athletes, a lot of people don't understand that. They don't. They, they take it for granted and they, they look at it more selfish and say, hey, it's about me, but it's not about you. It's about being able to have a gift and being able to share it with the world and be able to hopefully, you know, help somebody else to to do the things we do, be a good person. You know what I mean? Speak intelligently, love other people, think about other people and put them in front of you, and, you know what I mean? So that then the society as a whole becomes a better place, man. That's that's what I think that we're missing in this, some of this some of this crazy stuff that goes on with sports. No doubt, I would say you're probably not a fan of Antonio Brown, his antics of late. That's what it sounds like you're trying to say. You know, it's it's disheartening. It's very disheartening. You know, because you have a guy with an unbelievable talent, and and he's he's I don't I don't know where his mind is in this situation. I try not to talk about people because I if I don't know what's going on in the background of his life experiences. I don't want to comment too much, but I will say this. You got little kids. You got people that are watching you. And we have an opportunity to truly change lives and shape these kids and people, you know what I mean, to where, you know, they, they aspire to be better because they're going to mimic and do what we do. There's kids out there that are Antonio Brown fans that think that, that's how you're supposed to act. But the problem with this is that they're not going to have the opportunity to even do that. So now they take that same thought process and that same, you know, deal into everyday life. And who's going to deal with them? Because if you're not somebody of a high status, who is going to deal with that and let it be okay? Mm. So, you know, so now you got kids and you got people that feel as though I can act that way, but we're losing life 100% because they'll never have that status to be able to do something like that. People won't take the time to sit there and give it to them and, and go in after time and time again, give them chance after chance after chance. They're just going to bypass them. and They're going to label them as a problem, and these kids will fall by the wayside because of the situations like that. No doubt. So you obviously talk a lot about young people making a positive impact on them. You're obviously doing that with your uh... – I mentioned your training, 36 Elite. Anybody that follows you on Instagram or on social media can see all the work you do with young athletes. But just kind of talk about, just sort of expand on that. Again, your brand, 36 Elite, and sort of what you do with the uh, with the young athletes in the local area. You know what? I do a lot of speaking engagements. I do a lot of just trying to get them to understand that, hey, I'm going to give you workout programs, and I'm going to train you just like how I was trained playing pro ball. I'm going to give you all that stuff. I said, but in the same sense, I want you to understand that that's a blessing and that it's other things that are going to help you in life a lot more than playing sports. So whereas I'm giving you these techniques, I'm also talking to these kids, and I'm also making sure that they love, they, they love who they are. They are great people. They're doing more in the community. You know, they're, they're trying to dress the part. They're trying to talk the part. I want intelligent kids, and I speak about that all the time. 
you know, I just uh, partnered in with uh, a buddy of mine with James Trapp on a, on a, on a facility, man. We got a nice little facility that we're and It's called the Dungeon Fitness and Enrichment Center. And what we're doing in that is the same thing as being able to train kids, but also help them, you know, with tutoring, help them with business etiquette, help them be able to communicate and talk the way that they need to, to be able to, to, uh, you know, navigate through life, you know? So, man, that's what I want to do, man. I love kids. I love uh, sharing what I got on and off the field. And I think that that's one of the platforms that we use that a lot of times as athletes, we don't use enough is telling these kids to be great people, you know, and, and, and showing them how to do it, helping them do it. You know, with all the kids, man, I like to find out what they like other than sports, man, and try to help them with internships and things like that. So that now they're starting to find out what they like other than sports. Because one of the things, like I said, is that everybody's not going to have an opportunity to do that. So what are you going to do if sports does not, you know, work out for you? You know, so do it now while you're living with your mom and daddy. Hey, you can waste their money, you know, <laughs> you, know? you know, but when it becomes yours, bro, you're going to have to do something and then how you going to survive. So that's what we're doing right now, man. I'm just trying to make a difference all the way around. I'm trying to be that, that sounding board for any and everybody. I work with young kids, you know, I mean, six, seven babies. I work with older people, just helping them, you know, just with, with getting stronger and moving around and, and, Trying to be happy, you know, you, I'm always talking about smile. I'm always talking about be positive, you know, because those things right there help you in life, you know, and it'll help you. To, the more you smile, the more you ha- you act, you're, you're happy, the more people around you are going to be the same way, the more people you're going to affect, and hopefully you're going to change the culture and everybody in the, around you, you know. No doubt. So before I let you go, Brandon, obviously I want to talk current day Gamecock football because we've, we've yeah. obviously seen this Gamecock football program go – <laughs> the heights it was under Steve Spurrier, now obviously Will Muschamp building this program. Um, I, I want to get your take on two different issues because, number one, you know, the the direction of the program, kind of where you see it going, how you feel about it as, a, as an alum. And then also, you know, you were on some teams in the early 90s that you guys battled a lot of adversity and had a little, some up-and-down seasons, if you will. And obviously this Gamecock football team right now off to a one-and-three start. Number one, just give me your thoughts, again, as a you know a, an alum – uh, as a you know, really a, a storied alum, your your thoughts in the direction of the program, and also what would you tell those guys in the locker room? Because um, there's obviously a lot of football left to be played. I know a lot of people are down in the dumps right now after this past weekend. But what would you tell those guys in the locker room to kind of get them recentered, refocused, and turn this season around? You know what? I, we got some good players, man. I think that we got to. I think that now, you know, with where the state of the program was before we had it. A lot of guys that had left, you know, when Spurrier left, we everybody knows that, you know, he stopped recruiting and, and the, the athletes that we were getting, we, we weren't getting the ones that we truly, truly wanted and nothing against the ones that we got, but we had a lot of guys transferring all this or whatever. I think that in that situation, in times like that, you tend to have younger guys that have to come in and play right now. You know, when, when I was coming in and, and, you know, the years before that, you know, you always had the veteran guys that were able to take over the program and able to make sure that, you know, guys understood how we called it being professionals. You know, I, when I got to South Carolina, man, I had the Harold Greens and the Sterling Sharps and the Corey Millers and, you know, those type guys that were there. They was like, hey, you need to get here. You need to be here early. You need to get in there and stretch. You need to make sure that you're doing this. You do. I mean, them guys, man, and they weren't even there. They had already graduated. 
You know what I mean? But that mentality of older guys made a huge difference because it showed me how to be a, a, a true college athlete, you know, whereas now you got a lot of younger guys teaching younger guys how to play football on the field because that's who you're interacting with, you know? So I think sometimes that kind of take makes a difference. And I think it makes a difference also in the pros, you know, because you got younger guys trying to teach these kids how to be professional. You just gave them a whole lot of money and they ain't professionals yet. You know, I think South Carolina is going to be fine. I think that they're, they're getting some young athletes. They get some kids that are coming in there and, and, are, and are eager to play and wanting to play and playing hard. I look, you know, it, say what you want to about the quarterback situation. The kid come in there, he's playing hard. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's doing the things that he needs to do. I'm excited about him because I see him, you know, trying to – I see him trying to do better. I, try, I see him trying to work hard to be able to make a difference on that team, and he's working with the players. Everybody's going to have a bad game. That article was crazy to me. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to have a bad game. They have them in the pros. Deshaun Watson had, what, 150-something yards two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is what it is, you know? But people, I think, also need to understand that these are kids. Mm. These are kids. Don't beat them up too bad now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they still just 18-year-old, 18, 19-year-old kids. You know, but I definitely want to see, you know, I want to see more fundamentals. I think that we're tackling. We're not tackling. You know what I mean? I think that we're falling off with that. I think that, you know, I want to see it's more explosive. You know what I mean? On the offensive side, I want the running back to step up and make, hey, you know, I'm a running back, man. So mm. if we can run the ball 100 times a game. I'm out there and I'm happy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> But I think that we're going to have to be able to do that because we take time of possession away from the defense, you know, so that now our defense isn't out there and, and getting exploited because of that. You know, some of the things that happen with defense come from them being on, being on the doggone field too long, you know. So understanding football and understanding some of those things help, you know, I think help in those situations too. You know, um, I think that, in the locker room, I'll tell them, hey, you know, keep fighting, man. You got an opportunity to do what a lot of people are doing. You're standing out there in front of 80 plus, 90,000 people all the time wanting to see you, see you play, wanting to make, wanting you to make their day. And they're giving up their Saturday to come to come watch you play. You know, and you're able to show your talent. You know what I mean? You're able to audition for the NFL by sharing your talents and showing what you're able to do. So stay positive. You know what I mean? Be strong. Keep working hard to be better, to get better each and every day. Man, I used to go out there at practice, and it was kind of funny because I just always felt like, man, there's so much stuff to work on. What do I do? You know, my brother told me just work on a couple things. So what I do is every time I went to practice, I'd work on – I'd pick three things I'm going to work on. So today it's going to be catching. And when I catch the ball, I'm going to make a move, and I'm going to take it to the house. I'd score every time I touch the ball in practice. I didn't care if we was at the – two-yard line going in or the two-yard line going out. If I had the ball, I'm scoring. Mm. And, you know, people would be like, God dang. But what it did was it got me ready to play. It got me mentally set. It got me in shape to where I was able to go and I could run and score and come back and get back in the game. I didn't break runs and then go to the sideline. That kills me when guys break a run and they tap their head, got to go to the sideline. Man, are you crazy? (laughs) I ain't going to the sideline ever. I used to be out there. And I ain't even going to look over there. I knew it was time for Rob DeBoer to come in or, you know what I mean, one of the other running backs because it was a gang of us. Man, I ain't looking to the sideline. I'm over here. We about to get 12 men in the huddle because I'm looking a whole other direction because I don't want to go out. 
you know. These kids are coming out, you know. So they just got to keep fighting. They got to keep working, man. I think that if, if they keep doing that, keep fighting, keep working, they're good athletes, man. They got to study the game. Also, what, they, what, what, what I used to do, too, is, man, I used to dog on study what other people do, meaning on my team, what the linemen did what the DBs were doing, what everything. Reason being is that if I knew where they were, then I knew where the holes were. I knew how I could exploit them on defense. You knew everything. So I would tell them young cats, man, learn everything about the game. Learn everything. Learn where everybody is, what they're doing. Because now it's no surprises. You know what I mean? It's no mm-hmm. surprises then because I know, okay, this line, lineman is down blocking. So when I see the defense, I know, okay, hey, you know what? That's a cutback. That's a cut up. That's a bounce. Mm-hmm. You know that defense when he when this DB rotates down over here. Okay, he gonna bluff and back up, and then they gonna blitz on the other side, or he's gonna come. You know, so you already got an idea of what's going on. So I think that they start doing things like that. You know, what I mean, and coaches. You know, I want these coaches, man. I think that a lot of times coaches get set on their system. You can't get you can't get set on the system because you have different players. Your system has. If you got this quarterback in here. You need to put plays in that that highlights who that player is, not just trying to run your offense because you know that it's man this is so and so we did this or this worked whatever whatever. But yeah, if the quarterback can't make that throw, if the lineman can't block that play, then why do it? You're wasting plays, you know. So I think sometimes, man, you get in here with these coaches and with these kids. I mean, and you you find out what they can do, what they're comfortable with. And you add that in the game plan. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm going to let you go here, uh, Brandon, but I just want to ask you one last question because I think it's always interesting. I've had a couple of former Carolina quarterbacks on the show, and they always talk about that unique fraternity, you know, that, that unique fraternity yeah. of being a South Carolina quarterback. Well, you just take a look at the list. I, I think there's also something to be said about that unique fraternity that is South Carolina running backs because you have yourself – Guys like Harold Green, George Rogers that came before you, you know, Marcus Lattimore, right. Mike Davis that came yep. after you. I mean, just kind of yeah. talk about that that unique fraternity and, I mean, just, just being, you know, associated with those guys. And, I, again, it's – when you really take a look at the running back position and the guys that have come through South Carolina, I mean, there are some legendary names to go over, no doubt. I mean, and it's funny because we, we, we've not had national championships or – you know, we've been ranked down, you know, in the top ten before, but not on the regular, you know. But you look at the running backs that have come through there. I mean, you do Staley. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This dude, he was a beast. You know, you look at, like you said, you got the Hell Green. You got the Mike Dingles. You know, I mean, I mean, like I said, Marcus Lattimore. You know, the Mike Davises. You know, it, it's, it's funny because we get out there and we ball. You know, whether you say whatever you want to about – the, our, uh, you know, what our what our record was or whatever, but you always had to go against us, and you had to plan for the type running backs that we that we were, you know, and 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 like I said, it's nice because I interact with Marcus Lattimore, I interacted with with uh, Harold Green, I interacted with Deuce. We all talked, and we all talked about you know trying to make a difference and be the baddest thing on the field, no more, no matter what. We wanted the team to to get on our back. Because guaranteed, we were going to do what we needed to do game day, you know. So it's a mentality. I don't think anybody could talk about, you know, us not being some of the top backs in college football because we showed, you know. And the thing is, is that for us not to have 
that great a record all the way through, look what we did for our team. Sometimes, you know, people get caught up in the, man, he ran 7,000 yards this year, whatever, whatever. Yeah, but, you know, he had an all-star line. He had a quarterback that was throwing for 7,000 yards. So it's easy, you know what I mean? But when you're just building and you don't have all of those pieces together right now, and you're one of the ones that they're focusing to stop every game, they're saying, hey, I'm going to stop. I got to stop Brandon Bennett, and then we win this game or whatever. We got to stop Deuce State. We got to stop her. That's a big deal. You know what I mean? That's a big deal. And we had good receivers, the Toby Cage, you know what I mean? And a bunch of other guys that were out there that, you know what I mean, that were doing the Alshons and, and you know what I mean, the Sydney's and all this or whatever. But you still, you still didn't have that total, total piece all the time like a lot of these other running backs did. And we still mm. made a name for ourselves. That's what that's what I like. That's what I hold my head up about is saying, hey, you know what? Some of these backs, bro, they got everything on their team. You know what I mean? I said, but what are they doing? What can you you can input any other piece in there and they still doing the same. Mm. You can't say that about South Carolina. You switch some of them pieces up and you're gonna see a difference. You know what I mean? And 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 they carried on through the pros too. You know what I mean? So I mean I, I'm I'm one man. I love my boys. I, I I love the running backs, man. I, I I love the fact of who we are and what we've done, you know, as a running back core. You know what I mean? So I mean I, I fight for us anytime, man. I think that we were some of the best college athletes out there, period. No doubt. And I, I don't I, I think everyone would hundred percent agree. But Brandon, appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again sometime again. It was uh you know, obviously one of the most storied South Carolina careers at the running back position. Really, really do appreciate you taking the time. All, you, all you've done for South Carolina and all you're doing now with the uh, the next generation, maybe the next great Carolina <laughs> running back that's coming through the 36 Elite program. But really do appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Dave. You got my number anytime. I'll have Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.